Cool. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Tech Atlanta Seed Talk. Uh, we've got a really special guest here for you, the hitting coach for the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils. we got Michael Early on the other line, man. How are you doing? Good. Uh, Max times two. Good to be on here with you guys. Um, don't uh, don't make me look too bad, all right? No, we'll uh, we'll keep it we'll keep it pretty light. We'll have we got one baseball question for you. We know you you've been doing some of the rounds here uh, since the draft and everything, but you did have a guy go one one, right? So what is it? What's it like to to have that, right? To have one of the guys that you you've been having in your you know you're seeing them every day, you're you're working with them every day, and to see that growth and then to see them go uh, as the first pick of the draft. Well, it's crazy, man. I was I was actually talking to my wife and just some other people. You could go a whole career, have a really successful career, and not have a one-one pick. You know what I mean? You could have a one-two. You could have a one-three. Look at, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are familiar with Coach Smith. He's been really successful for a long time, and that was the first guy he's had as a one-one. You know, he's had several first rounders, and you know, I think Schwarber was the fourth pick. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's 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 cool. One one's definitely better than one two, so we're we're really excited for Spencer. He's a he's a great dude. Yeah, no doubt. It's um it's pretty crazy, man. Like you said there, I mean, it's to, just to see that name pop up there, and and I'm sure um, he's super excited. I'm sure Tigers fans are also excited. Um, how's it been? I mean, we'll just kind of wrap with you, man. And so if, just for everyone out there who doesn't know, uh, Michael and I were teammates at Indiana um, before Mike went on to play minor league baseball and then he's transitioned here into coaching. What's it, what's it been like just for you from a family perspective, from a baseball perspective to try to deal with everything that's kind of gone on with COVID here? It's been crazy, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably hit um, a lot of people in this world harder than it's hit me because for me, it's just hit me from a baseball perspective and I take perspective in that, but at the same time, just from your own life, like your, your perspective, what you have is all you have. So outside of family, baseball is everything to me. So ha- to have that taken away and, you know, what's the old saying? Like this game can be taken away from you at any moment. Well, that actually happened. So it's been it was tough, honestly, at first. It's still tough, but I've been dealing with it the right way because I'm hell. I've spent more time with my family in the last couple months and I probably would have in the summer in the next five years. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from that way and it's really helped me and it's, it's been great. Like being with them every day is, is really helped me deal with, you know, what everything that's going on. That's a great perspective uh, to look at with everything that, you know, has transpired because, you know, COVID hasn't gone away and, and it's changing, you know, sports is, is trying to make the comeback. Um, you know, we've already talked about how, Summer leagues have disbanded and, you know, canceled their season from the Cape Cod League here. Uh, interesting, though, if y'all didn't know, the um, summer league that for one, like Worcester uh, Collegiate Summer League is actually playing. They're the I can't remember the, the actual league name, but uh, like the Worcester Bravehearts um, is starting up into July. So that's going to be really interesting to see um with them kind of going because this gives a lot of a lot of juniors a lot of seniors the opportunity to continue to show their stuff so to speak yeah mike like what would you what would you have done your senior year right would you have are um would you have just tried to play like independently 
hit a quick hit a quick uh, mute on. I that lost one. I lost it for a minute. You I did lost it for a minute, but I, I mean, I would have come back and I would have come back and played a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I, um, everyone's situation is different, but with my family and support system and just loving the game, I would have one hundred percent come back and and uh, finished it out just because I couldn't imagine that happening. Like that would have been devastating as yeah. a player, especially your last year. So I would, I would definitely have rolled it back for a little victory lap action. Um, well, it's so crazy to say that too, because I mean, so many guys I'm sure didn't know that the minor leagues were not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to play this year. Right. It makes it even crazier. Um, but yeah, to your point, I can't imagine, I know for you and I, right. Our senior year was, incredibly fun it's it's amazing to be around your guys for that time so I'm, I'm at a loss for guys that aren't able to to get out there and play this year uh now I, early i i got a question i want to know what what's in the water right now out there in uh in arizona because last year you guys led the nation in uh in home runs so what Obviously, right now we're on you. You on the Sports Tech Podcast. You on Sports Tech Atlanta. <laughs> uh, just kind of what are the things that you guys are taking into account when you are practicing? You know, in the batting cages, uh, from a technology standpoint, are you guys doing anything? You know, kind of special uh, that's really elevating the the hits um, that your players are, are putting out there right now. So, what's just kind of the technique standpoint, and then what do you guys look at analytically as well? Yeah, so we're big on analytics. Actually, this year. Last year, I kind of took it all on my own, and it was a lot. So I actually brought in this year of a – I called him a – I, I got to be creative, and I made his title for him, and it was a director of hitting development and analytics. And, and really what that entailed was, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a machine called the Rap Soto that has measurables on how the ball spins, contact, um, exit velo, how far it goes, things like that. And he was really able to help us use that from a teaching standpoint, just so I didn't have to get boggled down in it. Um, Technology wise, I think the biggest thing though, that has led to our success is we have the scouting program called Synergy. And I don't know if you're familiar with Synergy. It's huge in college basketball. There's not one college, one D1 or D2 that doesn't have it. Well, they got into baseball about three or four years ago. Well, I got one last year and man, from an analytics and technology standpoint, from a scouting perspective, it really helped us go through the roof because Sterling, I'm sure you remember you get scouting reports back when we were in college. And even a couple of years ago, you were getting those reports from other teams. Right. So, you know, nothing against other coaches, but you'd rather go into a game with your own opinion and your own plan. So that really allowed us to kind of not rely on other people's reports from past games and really watch the pitcher and shape our plan to how our team is. And I really think that was a huge, huge get for us. And it's something that we really lean on and something that almost in college baseball, if you do not have, you're at a disadvantage. So people, if you don't know what synergy is, basically it takes your stats, puts them on steroids for you and really breaks down the game. So uh, I can, yeah, ultraly beneficial. And um, that's a good look at for, for how you guys elevated, because I mean, you smashed the Pac-12 record with with that hitting stat, uh, which is unbelievable. And then obviously you you round out 2020 with a with a one one. That just that does sound that does sound pretty sexy. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, you, you get you had a one one under your book. 
Um, uh, so record, uh, record signing bonus, by the way, if you want to throw that in, most most someone's ever signed for with the first pick. I saw that. I saw that come out just now. Yeah, I didn't early. I didn't need that. I'm still broke over here. Uh, I don't need to. Hey, to I didn't get. I didn't get any percentage of that. Either, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that's that's uh, amazing for him, and I'd be super excited about that. Are you? Uh, so I know you're a LeBron guy. Where are you? Uh, where are you right now with the NBA? Like, are you up to date on the on the how many players are coming back? What's about to happen? Uh, what are your thoughts on the NBA coming back? Um, I couldn't be more excited. I, I hate to sound like a complainer and wish it would have happened sooner, but whatever. I can wait. It kind of builds up the hype and the whole the whole bubble thing. I, I could not. I'm telling you, I don't think I'll miss a second of any game, especially with what I got going on now, which is about nothing. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, man. I think it's going to be basketball at its purest form. A lot of these guys – came up in the AAU ranks where they played probably at Disney Wild World of Sports. Um, I actually played there. No crowd and just – it's going to be, I think, the competitiveness and just the pickup basketball aspect of it, which is why these guys are so great. Because, like, LeBron and all these great players, they play basketball year-round. Like, they just – they ball. That's what they do. So, I think this is going to be just the most pure form and I think the true players are really going to come out and I think guys like LeBron and there'll probably be some surprises out there guys that are you know I don't want to call it pickup basketball but it's going to be I think a little more angled towards that just because the style of it I think you're going to see some guys come out and shine that you you wouldn't otherwise have seen well it's also interesting like some guys Jason Tatum's you know been honest about it. He's like, I haven't been able to touch a ball because I was at my parents' house, you know? And for those that had access to be able to like go to the gyms, you know, individually or by themselves or whatever, um, to your point, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, like who's in the right shape. Uh, the J.R. Smith addition to the Lakers, does Avery Bradley leaving hurt? Um, I, I'm with you though. I'm excited, man. It's so It's going to be cool to see to your point, this like slate of games from noon to eight every day for the next, for a couple of weeks until we get into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll show too who, who's been disciplined. Um, I think these guys are, I, I could be wrong, but I think these guys are so skilled at basketball, the shooting, the dribbling will come back, but everyone's got mm-hmm. pavement and a sidewalk outside where they can go run sprints and be in shape. And, and, you know, they got enough money where they can buy some weights and they can do things like this. I, I really think, the discipline and the guys, I mean, I think obviously LeBron, um, you know, financially he's doing outstanding, but I think if that guy didn't have a dollar to his name, he's so disciplined. And so, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but just like an assassin when it comes to basketball, that guys like that are going to be ready to play. Cause if you can run, you can be in shape. All you need is the sidewalk. So, it might be a little more complex than that, but I really think the guys who who, who love the game are gonna gonna take advantage of this. Yeah. So what? Is, speaking of like just the training aspect of everything going on, um, what's the angle that you guys are kind of looking at with all things you know COVID going on and making sure that you know guys are staying on top of what they need to be doing? Um, are you guys kind of looking at a, you know a remote? way of staying on top of people or is it kind of just right now you know you check in and hey yeah i'm doing you know this and this or what's the process to make sure everybody's you know staying on on their game right now because 
you know, like like Jason Tatum, you're at your you're at your parents' house and there's not much you can do. And uh, you're just trying to look at a way to stay in shape and in form. Yeah, for us, I mean, honestly, we have the luxury of time. I mean, we, we're not scheduled to to play until February. And obviously, there's no time football. like the present, Michael. There's no time like the present uh, early. Well, our time is not now. So we, you know, we're kind of on hold, man. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, and I have no problem saying this if college football doesn't happen, spring college sports are in trouble. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, that's yeah. where the money comes from. Um, college baseball programs as a whole, I, I don't know this to be an exact stat, but there might be one or two that finish in the black every year. I mean, mm-hmm. baseball is a money, a school or sport, excuse me, that is not a big money maker, along with softball, track, any other sport besides football and basketball. Um, I'd go out on a limb. I don't have it in front of me, but probably lose you money. So we need college football to happen. And, and I've just kind of been. You know, if college football doesn't happen, we're probably in a, a, a bad place as a society. So there's there's bigger things. So I'm just hoping we can play college football because, you know, that's where our world, you know, we've got to that point. And well, then early, secondarily. Oh, sorry about ahead. that. No, I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off. I was I was going to say, though, but from the standpoint of protection wise that you can get out of baseball with, you know, being a distant sport. Do you think that even though with like college football not happening, yes, that is the moneymaker there, but you could have a model that could come back in with a couple spring sports, um, especially baseball being that you can do it in a safe way, possibly. Do, do you think that could be on the radar? I think we'll talk about it. People will try to do it, but ultimately I don't think we will be able to get back to sports until we can get back to sports how we always have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys know how it is. You, you play college football, Sterling played college baseball. Like the thought of not giving a high five or spitting or I just think it's too ingrained. I just I don't think we can play until we can play like we always have. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because that's just my opinion. So, you know, it's just it's why we're in such a standstill. We don't know what's going on. But the the thought Mm -hmm. of trying to play games where you can't have that camaraderie and you're actually thinking about distancing during a baseball game or a football game. I just, I really just don't think it's going to turn out great if that's, if that, if that's the goal. And, and you, honestly, if that's what you have to do to play, like, should you really be playing is, is, is what I think. Yeah. Like in the MLB, they're going to make, I think it's, they're, they're two small rules, but I think it's one of those like very big inconveniences when you've always had it. And that's one no bat boy. So who's picking up the bat? Like, are they, are they going to have to go from first to second and take their bat back into the dugout? And then secondly, you're not going to be able to have, say, if you're in center field, you, you can't have, you know, your right fielder bring your glove out when you're setting on second base and it's a, it's a transition between innings. So, like, you have to run all the way back into the dugout. It's these small things. And like you said, you know, you, you can't high five uh, your teammate and keeping that, try, you know, thought of social distance in the back of your head when at the end of the day you're just you're jacked up off after a play so it is interesting for the direction that they're we're trying to go just to have that normalcy back with sports. no the other one of that too before mike you answer there is pitchers aren't supposed to go to their mouth before they pitch now so i just i i don't know how that's going to work right i think zach grinky goes to his mouth every single pitch so it's going to be so weird to, to mike's point 
to try to regulate things that we find we've done naturally for so long within sports and to try to think about that while you're also trying to perform. Well, let me ask both of you, uh, being baseball players, you know, you got- sorry, sorry, Mike, sorry, Mike, what were you saying? Uh, you got cut off there at the end, but to that, yeah, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say to some of it because it's like, it sounds so ridiculous, but I think there's people who are smarter than all of us who are dealing with a lot more money and put these rules in place. But how is that? I don't even see how some of these things are possible. Mm -hmm. And I think only time will tell. All we can do is deal with what we know now. I think only time will tell to say, you know, two years from now, like that was absolutely ridiculous and did nothing or that was really smart, et cetera. But I, I just, that's what worries me so much is if you're putting all these little rules in place, um, are you are you just trying to do a little CYA action, which is okay? I understand that, or is it for actual safety? So I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's CYA because if if we need all that for actual safety, you know, I think playing should be secondary. So I, I just think it's gonna be hard hard to keep guys from doing that. It's just it's what you've done your whole life. So I don't I don't see a new normal in sports camaraderie. I really don't. So we're gonna have to figure those things out before we can actually play games. So they're allowing MLB pitchers to bring out a towel during the game. So to both of y'all, how much illegal stuff do you think is going to be brought out onto the mound if a player, if a pitcher can bring their own individual towel, you know, keep that in the back pocket as they're pitching? Like there's going to be, I feel like there's about to be some wiffle ball looking pitches when we come into the season. I would not doubt that at all. But you know what? Whatever. Whatever makes the game better. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird, too. And, like, with the towel, I, I would assume that's more for, like, sweat. I mean, guys need a grip, right? So, like, the towel mm-hmm. actually doesn't help you from a grip perspective. So, I oh, think – I was if, thinking if, you're, you're going to put something in the towel, little, little, little sap or something, some clear sap at the end of the towel, and you're going to wipe it. <laughs> now you got some – that's what I'm saying. You can put whatever you need, and then after the inning – Wash it or when when you're done with your outing, wash it off with some water. It's going to be some movement on these balls coming back in the MLB. You, sound, just, you, sound, you sound like a football player who never played baseball. You're getting all <laughs> conspiracy on me. Yeah, I just wonder, like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to put stuff on the towel, like, why wouldn't you put it in your glove like you normally would? Like, why use a towel? You know what I mean? It's just my, easy, my, easy my theory on all this, all this, all of it is a complete – they got to have protocols and this, that, but I think within the confines of the clubhouse and the field, I truly think, you know, if you're keeping these guys in a bubble, what, why does it matter if they do the things they've always done? That's what, that's right. the thing I don't understand about it. Yeah. So. it's Sorry. Is there... No. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think the bubble part, I don't, I mean, Mike, you might know more than me here. Like is baseball doing a bubble, like a full bubble? I know obviously basketball is, but I think that's kind of the scary thing right now with baseball is there's no actual bubble, right? No. Yeah. I guess you're, you're only confined within your own bubble, but there's going to be travel and right. Um, I, look, man, I, I don't think it's, there's going to be a perfect answer. I just, hopefully, hopefully as these things start at the end of July, we progress and gotten a little better and gotten some answers. I'm, I'm hopeful that we're in 2020 and we're shooting if rockets off into the space that we can hopefully come up with something to kind of mitigate <laughs> yeah. mitigate the risk of, of, of this virus. But I, I'm not I'm not qualified to uh, answer that, to be honest. All right, Mike, let me ask you something you are very qualified about. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, senior year, Mike hit 352, 13 home runs. 
15 stolen bases, 13 all Big Ten recognition. Now, I want to ask you one thing from what you've been able to develop recently and what you did at IU, what's one thing that you wish you could have had implemented or one thing that you would have should have been able to know or could have known as a hitter when you're in college to what you know now to the players that you're teaching? That's an easy one because that's honestly what I teach off of is my mistakes. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple things mentally, um, it's crazy. We, we would Sterling knows we would do conditioning weeks and do all this running and it is a little bit mental, but there's two sides of mental, like there's physical mental and then there's just what I call mental mental. So physically mental, I could crush anything. I could, I could win conditioning competitions, et cetera, but an O for four is harder than a four mile run. I think Sterling can attest to that. So he um, definitely can <laughs> attest to that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could, I could, you know, I could run a four mile run backwards and have a time to beat, and I would handle that better than an O for four. So really, it's about I'm more of a psychologist, I think, than a hitting coach. That, that's the first thing. Like, you know, being there for the guys when they have a bad game, or keeping them keeping them level when they're doing really well. At the same time, the training aspect to um, being willing, more willing to get uncomfortable, fail more in practice. Mm. Um, everyone, everyone can go hit off the tee, hit flips, hit easy BP. And then you get in a game and it's like a buzzsaw is coming at you. And you're like, what the hell did I do this whole time? So that's kind of what we do. Dude. We're more challenging in practice, um, more velo for machines at different angles. And then at the same time, I, the dialing it down and the slow stuff that builds confidence is great. Um, so just, just kind of that in general. Um, you know, baseball's tough, man. I mean, I think Sterling can attest it's it's crazy. Like a, a bad game, a bad game can haunt you for a long time. So I think my biggest job as a coach and wish I wish I could have done better as a player is helping guys get over that. And then getting over that myself is probably the biggest thing, to be honest. This might be a dumb question for me, just kind of, I'm, I'm a baseball layman, didn't play it at the level that y'all did, but uh, how many days do you guys do, you know, live pitching off of a pitcher instead of, you know, hitting off a machine, just to get that, just to get that real feel. Is that more preseason and then during the season you're just off the machine, like you said, adjusting the velocity on a lot of pitches. So how much do you guys, or what, what do you guys balance it, or is it just, um, you know, preseason live after that machine? It, it's both. It's definitely heavier preseason, obviously, and then in season. Um, you know, we had a lot of this year. We had the luxury of having a lot of good players who didn't have to play, so we would we'd really ramp them up with some of the lower level pitchers midweek. But at the same time, if, if you have a couple guys struggling in the game, uh, you try to get them some at-bats midweek, too. So it's really about uh, feel, just feeling out what certain guys need. Um, some of our top guys obviously aren't going to take any live at-bats in practice once the season starts, just mm-hmm. because of fear of Alika Williams, our first-round shortstop, getting hit in the hand or something like that. So you got to balance it out and pick the right guys. And, and if guys really need it, you need to get them some live midweek. But um, if they get to that point and if they're really struggling, you don't want them to see them live as much midweek because if they struggle in practice, they're going to take that into the game. So that's, that's really when you dial it back and bring those guys in and make them more confident and make them feel good. And then when they get in the game, I think confidence, I always say confidence over mechanics if you, if you think you're the best player in the world, you could have the worst mechanics in the world and still go out there and get hits. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so true, right? The the confidence level that you take in there is is so big. Do you um we would argue this all the time. So I just want to get your if you're able to kind of answer this. Get your thought on this. Is it nice to see the revolution or the kind of the evolution of people thinking of like how you should swing towards a baseball um, as opposed to like how we grew up people trying to teach you to swing down and the things like that. Is it, is it nice to hear people talking launch angle and things uh, of that nature? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. It's, it's helped ground our game and help reach other players. So for me, I, I always say you can't put, put a blanket on hitting and get, give everyone the same one to keep them warm. So I got, I got guys where I, I talk two different lingos to. So I'll give you, for instance, Spencer Torkelson is really what he likes to hear is really, really old school stuff we would have heard growing up, and that's what works for him. Yeah. At the same time, I got guys that I think it resonates with them when I tell them we're in the cage, like, hey, I don't want to see you hit a ball that doesn't hit the top of the cage. And when they go in the game, it produces the same product. So as a coach, you really just got to get out of your own way and your own comfort zone and, and know that not one thing works for everyone. I think, I mean, great support from the people who helped me out and then the players really buying in. We've been able to do that. So you can talk different ways to different people and you just got to really figure out from the player's perspective what they like to hear. So I, I really like to reach out to or some college coaches shy away from private hitting coaches. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it, but I also like to talk with those guys and see the lingo they've used and pick and pick and choose what I like and what I don't like. Um, but yes, to your point. Yes. I think it's great because it just adds another element in a way you can articulate things to players. Yeah. I think that's really big. Um, you know, not trying to trying to be an ASU recruiter out here, but hearing that and knowing that, you know, psychologically, you you have to you you know to take different approaches with different with different uh, people. Not even just looking at them from a hitter's perspective, from just personality perspective, though, and how to connect with somebody. Because you do have coaches that are just like, don't care who you are, talking to you this way. I need to see results, and if you don't, it's your fault, and that's it. When not really thinking introspectively of, I should approach somebody in a different way, and then you might get a different result. So I think that's really beneficial for what you guys are doing, and obviously you're seeing those results. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know it all. So, and that's something you learn as you grow up mm-hmm. and you age and, you, and you're in, the, if you're fortunate enough to be in the game long enough, you, you learn things like that. So it's something I've really learned that, you know, you don't know, I don't know what I don't know and I don't know it all. So I, I kind of want to learn as much as I can, but at the same time, you have to be strong in your convictions and what you feel uh, will make guys successful. Yeah. Um, we'll get you out of here on this. Who? Do you have winning the NBA championship? We'll go back to NBA here. The Warriors aren't in it, so I can't pick them. <laughs> uh, I, I would love to, to be honest with you. So I think they're actually going to play. They're or they're trying to play like those those last few teams. But I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, man. You put me on the spot because I'm not ready to make a decision yet, and I don't want to pick against LeBron. <laughs> but it, Go ahead. I'm going to go with the Clippers. Wow. The Clippers, man. I'm going to go with the Clippers. I think uh, they got the best coach, and they got two of the best players, so I'm going to roll with them. That's, That's a, a good I, pick, though. It's a, it's a good pick. It's not a bad pick. I I'm going to go with the maturity. Maturity that they got, and I don't know. I don't know, man. It's tough. What? It's still July 1. They don't start till later in the month. I'm not ready yet. 
We got 30 days, man. I don't, you know what? I love the pick. I just don't, as much as I'm a Paul George fan, like I think he is so good at basketball, I do not trust him in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Hey, I, you know what? I, I still, I mean, I, I think everyone, you're not going out on the limb if you say Clippers or Lakers. But going back to what I said earlier about the format of it, I think you could just see a team blow up that you're like, what? And they'll get criticized for the rest of, you know, life about asterisk on them winning. But it'll be those type of guys. You've got a collective group of dudes have been who have been in that environment before. Maybe a younger team that's got some high-profile college, high school guys that just know how to ball. I mean, the NBA is crazy because those guys are so talented. If you put them in that, how how however they do the environment and the situation of it is really going to – so I could see a wild card team, like a team you wouldn't even think of. I don't want to go out and say the Pelicans, but a team where you got some younger guys, high profile, who, who they they just, they've done stuff like this a couple of years ago. They they might have an advantage, but I'm excited. You, I, I won't miss a second. To piggyback off what you said there, uh, I think the Rockets are the team that I'm like James I Harden. Said them. Yep, yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because Harden, he got the rest, and Westbrook Westbrook had started to figure it out. It's crazy to say that because he's 31 years old. But he's such a freak athletically. He also is rested. That's a team that, like, to me, I would be scared because you just don't know how. If, they, if they're putting 70 points up a game, you're not going to win. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And Harden's one of those guys I think could roll out of bed and play basketball. And I think Westbrook's one of those guys who's probably been working out just like he's like a LeBron-type workout guy. So yeah. you – you add those together. Yeah, I, I I was gonna say the Rockets. I didn't want to get crushed by you guys though, but they would be my number three to win this thing. So it would not shock me if they did. And I would be excited for them because I those are two of my favorite players just because I w I'd want Russell Westbrook with me if I got in a, a fight with someone and I'd want Harden with me if I was going to a pickup game. So I think those are two <laughs> two uh two dudes you could win with. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Russ, I'm, I'm taking Russ anywhere, man. Like, he just – that's a guy I would just want next to me at any time. He's, he's, he's slowly turning into, like, one of my favorite athletes of all time just because he's got a little bit of that Jordan in him. He's just not as good, mm-hmm. so you don't, appre- you don't appreciate it as much. <laughs> if he could shoot a little better, you'd be like, oh, man. But uh, he, he's, got that, he's got that in him, man. Uh, that's what I love about him. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be fun, man. So we uh, no, man, we we're at the thirty minute mark. So we really appreciate you jumping on. Just uh, incredible success. Super happy for you, man. You're doing an incredible job out there at Arizona State, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you guys play at some point next season. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and happy uh, happy Fourth of July coming up, and health and everything to you guys, and stay safe, and tell your family I said hello. Likewise. Well said. Yeah, man. We'll do it.